Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into clients. Now, here's the founder and CEO of 10 Golden Rules, Jay Berkowitz. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time this podcast finds you, this is Jay Berkowitz with the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast. I'm joined by a, a great marketer and networker, Howard Rubin, an attorney, and I'll let you tell, I'll let him tell us a little bit more about himself. But the reason why I wanted to do a podcast is Howard and myself and Greta Schultz did a webinar that's been viewed over 15,000 times. And the topic was rainmaking. And rainmaking we defined as how to build your business, how to make it rain. It's a little bit like the movie, The Rainmaker, where a young attorney landed a bunch of cases and built his own law firm. So um, this is a little bit about rainmaking, a little bit about networking, a little bit about Howard Rubin. Howard, uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your firm and your background. Hi, Jay. I'm glad you said uh, you didn't say Rain Man, because that's sometimes how I feel. But um, my firm is a firm that does mostly construction and real estate. My practice has kind of taken a lot of different uh, turns, twists and turns. I've had to reinvent myself a few times because the industries that I were in kind of became obsolete for, for various reasons. And I had to figure out a way to reinvent myself. And through networking, I think uh, I've been pretty successful with it. I'm uh, now, I think, one of the largest rainmakers, uh, certainly in my firm, and it's all due to networking, and that's how I built my business. That's awesome, and um, I guess we could start with some basic stuff, you know, maybe go through a couple of the examples of rainmaking, you know, things you did earlier in your career that helped build the firm, and um, I really loved your advice on our webinar to young lawyers, you know, how do young lawyers really build their own business? Because you really don't become a partner. You're, you don't, you're not going to have your own firm if you can't bring in business, right? That's right. I think that the, the first rule that people have to understand, or what young lawyers have to understand, is people like to do business with people who are likable. And you should go out of your way to be nice to people, even if you don't think that that's a person who may be a source of business or you're going to have a long-term relationship because there's been numerous instances in my career where people I thought couldn't help me at all, but I just was nice to them and ended up being a tremendous boost to me in my professional practice. It doesn't always happen, but it doesn't cost a lot to be nice, and it really makes you much more marketable to more and more people. So I think the first rule is you've got to be nice. You can't be obnoxious. You can't be aggressive unless you have to be. I find sometimes litigators want to show that they're tough, but being tough is not going to help you in, in marketing. What's going to help you in marketing is being fair and, and being open to other people's ideas. So those are the people that are going to send you business. A lot of times adversaries send me business just because I treated them fairly. And that's what people have to keep in mind. Every person that you meet in your legal profession is a potential source of business, and you should treat them that way. So nice is a, a general term. You know, how would you define it in, in, in a networking sense? Well, let me give you an example early in my career. Early in my career, I was uh, doing collection work for pharmaceutical wholesalers. 
there was maybe in the country 30 pharmaceutical wholesalers and we would sue hospitals and pharmacies for money. Eventually, that was consolidated and now there's only four. I had to find a new industry. But there was a young Korean lawyer who hardly spoke English and he was representing this Korean pharmacy. And I could have crushed him in court. I could have just gotten the judgment against him. And, but I treated him fairly. I gave him a payment plan and I told him that if he ever had an issue, because I could see he really didn't, frankly, understand the grasp of litigation, he should give me a call and I would, you know, help him if he needs forms, if he needs something, help him. And I would be nice to him. Not because I knew him, not because I thought he was going to give me anything back. Well, it turns out that this lawyer went to the Harvard of Korea. And at that point, the major Korean conglomerates used him to give all the work to all the law firms within the city. And all of a sudden, I was representing Hyundai's shipbuilding division because he sent it to me. Not because I did anything special, but because I was nice to him. And it worked out. And and over the years, uh, he sent me other business. But it's just an example of how when you least expect it, just being nice to someone, helpful to someone, it can work out. And it's, it, it certainly uh, doesn't cost you. That's fantastic. So maybe a couple examples for the younger lawyers or, or for, frankly, for attorneys who haven't built their book of business and want to build up their book of business. You know, what are some of the basic networking and business building tips that, that you like to share? Well, one thing that I like to do whenever I get a new client or a new person that I'm introduced to, even in a social setting, I try to learn as much as I can about them. I try to learn where do they bank? Do they have a financial advisor they like? Do they have real estate brokers they like? And the reason I ask these questions, other than conversation, because I say it in a way that looks like conversation, is that I have other people that I know that if they say that they're not so happy or they really don't have someone that's stronger than that, I can then use that and recommend someone who I do business with. That's called building your network. Because if I'm sending these other people business, and that's how I get business to send people, then they're going to have me on top of their list to send business to me. Because virtually, people are looking to do business with other people. But you can't have a situation where you expect it's going to be one-on-one, but you have to have something to barter, something to offer other people. You can't just be take, take, take. You have to look to give. And that's how you build up a bank of goodwill. And that's how you you learn. You also often, when you're speaking to lawyers, I used to very often, if I saw a lawyer and something I was doing with him, really didn't know that area of the law, it was a one-off for him, I would try to get very friendly with that person. Because that person is going to, next time he has that type of a case, I want him to think of me rather than do it himself. And I want to look at what he's doing, and maybe I can send him some type of work. You have to remember, well, the legal profession is one profession. It's so, it's so diverse. There are so many different types of, of practice areas. And not everyone does every type of practice areas. Big firms, small firms, PI work, criminal work, matrimonial work, corporate work, real estate work. And you want to develop relationships with lawyers and all of these other specialties. Because that should also be part of your network. Not just other professions, but other specialties within the legal profession. Now, we did some basic tips. You know, let's just jump right into... The advanced tips, like what's one of your secret sauce or, or two of your secret sauce? If somebody's already got a nice business, but they want to know, you know, how do they become as successful as Howard Rubin? I think that one thing you have to do to get out there in today's world, it 
makes it a lot easier is social media, podcasting. You want to get out there and get as many people to hear you and to interact with you on a wide enough basis that you become the person that becomes the expert. If, if you give a few lectures or speeches, it used to be writing articles. We don't write articles as much. If you write some articles on a particular area of the law, all of a sudden, people are going to be looking at you as an expert. An example of that I can give you is that when I, and it also dovetails with being nice, I met the editor of the Real Estate Weekly, and I really didn't do a lot in the real estate world, but she wanted a Nintendo for a son, and I, I happened to, and you couldn't get it at that time, it was near Christmas, so I happened to know, because I represented electronic retailers, I had it on her desk the next day. And she sent the reporter down to interview me, and next day, there was, next week, there was an article with my picture on the front page of the Real Estate Weekly as the go-to guy in commercial real estate, even though it was ridiculous. But being nice, that made me an expert. And from that, I developed major clients in the real estate brokerage industry because all of a sudden I became an expert, not because of any great knowledge that I had, more so than a lot of other lawyers, but because I got that kind of publicity. And you can't buy that kind of publicity. It just because and it just goes back to being nice and being looking to help people. Now we're recording this in uh, 2023. It's actually my first time in New York, so I'm excited. Oh, this is our first live podcast interview, not Zoom in, in some time, and my first time back here since COVID. I know you were wavering a little bit when we when we did the interview about a, a year or a year and a half ago, and you were leaning towards LinkedIn as much as live events. Are you still as bullish on LinkedIn for building your network and staying in touch with folks, or are you doing more live events these days? Well, you know what? You have to try to do, stay one step ahead. LinkedIn is, for business, an essential tool, but it's not the only tool. You can't rely on one tool because, frankly, a lot of people are using LinkedIn, and you have to be able to distinguish yourself and make yourself stand out. And the way that you stand out is... You can stand out with podcasts, you can stand out with social media, you can stand out with, with some events. I personally am a relatively shy person. I can't go into a room of 100 people, I won't start talking to someone. I'll sit in the corner with a drink and won't talk to anybody unless someone comes and talks to me. So that doesn't work for me. If someone's not like that, maybe that works for them. So it's part of it's your personality. But I think you have to find what works for you and you have to find what makes you unique what you can offer people, that they would say, gee, that's an interesting uh, perspective. That's an interesting idea. I want to learn more about that, or I want to learn more about that person. That's what you got to find. That's how you make your secret sauce. There's not one secret sauce. Everyone has their own secret sauce. You just got to find the recipe. By the way, you know, let's stay in live events for a minute, because a lot of people are like you, Howard, and I am too, even though some people would perceive that I'm a very active and an outgoing networker, I've had to learn these skills. You know, one of the things, this is an easy tip. If you are the young attorney who we're, we're talking to today and your boss makes you go to the Chamber of Commerce or the Bar Association, you know, one of the tips is look for Howard or someone like Howard who's in the corner with their drink and they look a little shy because if you go up and talk to that person, they will love you because now they're not embarrassed. They're not alone. And everybody wants to talk to people, obviously, but, you know, they're a little shy to get the conversation started. So they'll actually be very thankful that you came to talk to them. Another thing we talked about on our last call is how many networking events you have to go to to really build your business. And 
one of the things I shared was, you know, you really don't have to try and go to every event, do everything. You know, just pick two organizations, one professional organization, one personal organization. And if you, you participate in those, and it's good to get involved, you know, volunteer to help the board or whatever. But all you really need to do is like those two events a month. And um, I, I said two plus two, like go to two events, meet two people at each event that you're going to have a follow-up meeting with because you all might be able to share some business or trade some introductions. And that's enough to build a really solid network. So, you know, for an, a young attorney, you might join the bar association and get involved on one of the committees. And if you're a runner, you know, help organize the 5K. Or if you're um, in, involved in your synagogue or your church, you know, get involved in one of the groups. Our men's club desperately needed help and I got involved. So, you know, it, it you really don't have to be networking every more every breakfast and every, every after work. Uh, would you agree? And, and what are some of your other tips for the live events, Howard? Well, I certainly agree as to the, the personal networking. You should find your interests and find organizations that dovetail with your interests. So if that's your local church or synagogue, whether that's um, some type of charitable work that you like to do, you should do that because you'll be good at it, you'll enjoy it, and people will see that you're making a positive contribution, and that's a terrific thing. In terms of professional networking, I probably disagree with Jay on one aspect. Like we have, my firm does a lot of, has a big construction firm, that's something we do a lot of. And one of my partners say, well, we're going to make the young lawyers go to events because we want to plant the flag. That's the term he uses. Well, if a young lawyer goes to a, a, an event, which is all construction lawyers, all established construction lawyers and their clients, it's not going to be effective for that person. Maybe the, name, the firm's name will be out there, but that's not something that, that's going to help that person. They want to be networking with people closer to their age. They're not going to as likely get work develop a, a long-term networking relationship with someone who's 30 or 40 years older than them. They want to be, they want to get that young CPA that's around their age that they can develop and grow together or another lawyer who's in another area of the law. But I personally, and, and, and a lot of people disagree with this, I try to stay away from events where the people who are going to be there are the exact same, do the exact same thing that I do. Unless it's like a convention and we want to trade ideas of what's happening in an industry. That's that's a different thing. I don't consider that networking. I consider that more uh, educational or, or learning. Excellent. You know, you touched on podcasts, and there was one thing that sparked in my mind that, that you had mentioned previously. People look at podcasts as maybe uh, something they listen to, but you and I both learned there's a tremendous benefit to producing a podcast. In, in addition to the marketing aspects you talked about earlier, and that is uh, when you invite someone to be on your podcast, you build a relationship with that person. And if you listen to the earlier episodes of this podcast, many years ago, um, I interviewed Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist, and Tim Westergren, the founder of Pandora, and Gary Vee when he worked at his dad's wine store before he was one of the biggest podcasters in the world. And it's amazing because when you book these people on your podcast, sure enough, you trade emails and you become friends and you talk about what you're going to talk about before you talk about it. And then you do the recording and then, you know, guess what? Now I can email Gary Vee and, and Tim Westergren. So what are some of the other um, benefits you talked about 
the folks that you've had on your podcast? I, I think the biggest benefit is every lawyer, every professional needs content, content for their website, content to send out to people. It's a reason to communicate with your clients. I like when I do a podcast, whether I'm doing the podcast or I'm the guest on a podcast, I like to send out to all of my clients, hey, here's a, a podcast I did. I think you might find it interesting. Just by me sending that, I become on top of their mind. They may have had something that they wanted to contact me about, but that they put it behind them or they didn't they didn't actually do it. But by getting that email, and I had a reason now to email them, so I wouldn't have a reason to email them unless I had some content to give them. And podcasting is, is a great source of content. Also, you put it on your website, so all lawyers have websites. There's different ways that you can market it. You can find people in that industry that you're talking about, the podcasting about. And you can send it, send it to them, and say, "Hey, you know, I, we really haven't met, but I thought you might find this interesting, and that you're meeting new people." So, podcasting is terrific for a lot of things. The content and the use of that content, if you use it correctly, can be a tremendous boost to any business. And a lot of people are intimidated by podcasts. We're sitting in a pub. We're, we're going to meet a bunch of folks in about half an hour for a, a beer. I just plugged a mic into my my Mac. And we're just two guys having a conversation. So a lot of people are intimidated by the technology, but trust me, you just need to record a conversation with someone smart. And thankfully, Howard's here, so we got well, that covered. <laughs> you know, I think Jay's being a little modest. When I do a podcast, I have to be in a studio with an engineer, and I have no technical skills. Jay could do a podcast in the bathroom. Jay, <laughs> Jay has that capacity, and he has the experience, and he can do it, and he makes it interesting. But uh, not everyone could do that. That's That's probably... Uh, Jay's secret sauce is that he's one of the best podcasters that I've ever met. Well, and if the audio is pretty crappy and people hear, are hearing the, the greatest hits of the 80s in the background, uh, we, we did try and get the music turned off. You know, you talked about technology and you hinted there's other technology other than LinkedIn. Were you referring to podcasters? Is there some other secret sauce? Well, I think that what's becoming the most dominant technological trend I think everyone would agree with this, is AI and what AI is doing. As AI will allow you to differentiate yourself, to be able to locate things that you couldn't locate before, at least not easily. I'm looking at ways, I haven't figured it out yet, how to take these new AI trends and incorporate it into networking. I'm sure that's going to have a tremendous impact. I haven't figured it out yet. Jay probably has because he thinks about this 24-7. But I, I think that's the, the biggest trend, and, and we have to figure out how to use that. Yeah, that's a, a great question. As a matter of fact, I, I'm going to drop a little technology and AI on you right now. You probably knew that was coming, even if you didn't know it was coming. So this is one of my favorite new tools, and it's an AI and artificial intelligence tool that you just basically plug into LinkedIn. And it's a Chrome plug-in if you use Google Chrome. And um, what it does is it um, does a disk profile. You know, the uh, personality profiling, D-I-S-C. And it does a disk profile off of your LinkedIn. And uh, the product is called Crystal Nose, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-K-N-O-W-S. There'll be a link to Crystal Nose and you can get a discount if you buy the product. But you can get 10 free profiles. The link will be down below in, in the podcast notes. So what this is telling me, Howard, is it, it did your disk profile. So it says you're a D, you're a captain. And in the D-I-S-C, the Ds are dominant, direct, decisive, uh, 
competitive, daring, innovative, persistent, adventurous, problem solvers. Does that sounds, sound a little sounds, bit? Sounds like a horoscope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that's all very flattering. I, I um, but I, I just knew that you were getting into this AI stuff. I knew that yeah. technology would not escape you, and uh, it sounds like a great product. So, Here's how I use it. So it says if I'm meeting with with Howard, it's telling me you know he's a D. As as a matter of fact, we're we're identical. So we're both right. pure D dominant. And so it says when I'm communicating with Howard, I should focus on fast results, high standards, and clear, even, blunt communication. Got that? I got that. Highlight competitive advantages of your product. Now, this podcast is going to outrank your podcast. Just watch. And place a high value on being time efficient rather than filling it up with small talk. Don't sugarcoat or use vague, overly optimistic language. Don't take their schedule lightly. And uh, does, does that sound a little bit like you? Yeah, that sounds like me. I'm, I mean, people say that I'm more of a big picture guy and I'm terrible at process. I really am bad at process. I don't like the details. I don't like to put things on blackboards. I like to look at big picture. Big picture, how are we going to get something done? And, uh, yeah, I guess that is me. So this is really cool. You know, when you say your big picture. So the uh, crystal nose tool is great. And if you can memorize what a D is and an I is, it's really good. But I was not able to really internalize that until I found this book by Merrick Rosenberg called Taking Flight. And Merrick Rosenberg took the D, I, S, and C, and he put it to birds. And then he defined the birds. So when you said you're a big picture guy, that's because you're an eagle. And so in, in Merrick Rosenberg's analysis of this, the eagle is exactly that, the big picture guy. Soars at 10,000 feet. You know, looks at things from down below. And then the owl, the, the seas, are the accurate, precise, analytical, correct, you know, a C in, in the disc. And, you know, typically the owls would be your, your CFOs, your architects, your analysts. Matter of fact, our analyst is a pure C. And then the, uh, the eyes are a parrot. And, you know, they're the salespeople, the charming, enthusiastic, inspiring. They're the, peop- the people at the networking event who are chirping around and talking to everyone, seems to meet everyone in the room. And then the S uh, is the dove, and they're supportive, they're uh, nurses and and social workers. So, Jay, let me ask you a question. Can a a C become a D? Or if you're a C, if you're an S, you're always going to be an S. If you're a C, you're always going to be a C. Can can you learn to be, I mean, I would think that, you know, on this uh, pecking order, at least maybe from my perspective, that I'd want to be dominant. I wouldn't want to be the supportive person. But if, if, if a supportive person wants to become a, a D, can they do it? Is there a way for them to do it? You know, they can certainly learn skills, and there's, you know, there's ranges in all of these things. And and in, when you do the DISC, like, not everybody's a pure D. Like, some people are DIs, and, and they're much more, um, you know, in, in interactive and influencing in the eyes, inspirational. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, I'm meeting a lot of attorneys, and that, by the way, this is how I'm using this tool. So before I have a sales meeting, I'm looking at their disk profile and at least getting a picture on my mind. You know, is this a D? Is this someone who's going to want me to get to the point right away? Or are they a C? Are they an owl? And they're more analytical and they're going to want to see some charts and, and uh, see some stuff. Or are they an I? Are they a parrot? You know, they, they're going to want to hear how great they are. I'm going to let them talk for most of the meeting. So that's how I use the tool. I would have guessed that if I took this uh, 25 years ago, before I started my business when I was an employee, I was probably a little bit more of a C. I was definitely very analytical earlier in my career, and I was less confident. I was less 
of a problem solver and a results oriented guy. So I, I would say that you probably could shift over time. Um, I've never looked at DISC in a sort of high level strategic way. You know, this has been a great tool for me to understand understand people a little bit before the meeting. And by the way, it's not perfect, but geez, it's ninety percent right. When I take people through this tool, they're generally like, "Oh my God, that's amazing! That's me!" Oh, and I, by the way, I've been hiring. I just hired an account manager and a business development manager, and it's a great tool for hiring. So you get a feeling for what that person is. Will they complement your skill set? Do you think that this could help somebody? Be in the one of the four categories that they want to be that they're most comfortable in. Can you learn from the, as to what you have to do to get to a different category? I would think it's a little. I would describe it a little differently. Like you know, if you're an S, if you're supportive, you know, you're just very sympathetic. Like I said, the nurse, the social worker, but you know, you had to sell a little bit for your business, and you had to learn to be a little bit more dominant. I think it would help you recognize your skill set. Recognize. One of the things that's very revealing about these tools, I find, is it's like, okay, now I understand. You know, now I understand why the, our salesperson can go work a room and why I'm a little bit more reserved when I go to a networking event. And now I understand the skills I need to learn, at least to be comfortable approaching someone in, in a situation where I would have been uncomfortable before had I not learned those skills. So I don't know if it, um, it can teach you the skills, but it can identify who you are, allow you to be comfortable with that, and then... You can, you know, there's a lot of these skills that we're talking about today, like networking, personal branding, business building, that I've certainly learned over the 20 years. Because Lord help me, 20 years ago when I started my business, I didn't know how to network. I didn't know what a one-on-one meeting was. I didn't know what it, how to sell. I've had to work very hard to learn these skills because I, I was a marketer before I became a business owner. So I think it's important, at least in the legal profession, that did you have professional, a high feeling of your professional abilities? If you don't believe in yourself as someone who can solve the problem, you're never going to have clients believe in you. You have to believe in yourself. And to me, that means that you have to have that personality, that you're going to dominate a room, that you're going to be able to tell people, this is what we have to do, and this is how we have to do it. And people have to believe you because... If you can get that across to clients at a meeting, those clients are going to be your clients forever. They have to feel that you're the top dog, that you have the confidence, and that you have the ability to get what they need done. Fake it till you make it. That's right. <laughs> I think it's easier a, for you to have confidence as, than the young lawyers. As, as a matter of fact, my, my granddaughter gave me a, a mug that said, Grandpa knows everything. What he doesn't, he'll just make up. That's <laughs> kind of what I do. And that, by the way, that's important in business. Um, so you, you asked about AI tools, and I, there's another one everybody knows, but I'll give you a couple of tips for using it, and it's ChatGPT. The cool thing is I, I wrote a note into ChatGPT earlier today. I said, please write 20 great questions to interview a very successful law firm owner and businessman about networking and tips for young lawyers to build their own book of business. This is for a new podcast episode for 10 Golden Rules Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast, and I gave it a link to the podcast. And sure enough, in about four seconds, I had 20 questions. Huh. So uh, let me give you one of those questions, because okay. this is a really good one, courtesy of Chat GPT, and good prompts, by the way. So that was my tip, is if you give it a very specific set of uh, boundaries, yeah. you know, like write 20 questions. I got 20 questions. So number three, can you identify a pivotal moment in your career where networking made a significant difference? Well, 
networking to me had a lot of different pivotal moments, but it has to do with who, who I met through the network. I'm constantly networking. When I was younger, I was networking with younger people, less established people. But whatever I'm networking with, I'm trying to find people that are going to take me to a pivotal point. I mentioned something about the, the young Korean lawyer. I mentioned about the, the woman who was the editor of the Real Estate Weekly. Those were pivotal moments in my life. Not so much in how I approach networking. Now I approach networking a little differently in that I don't look for people to give me business anymore. I look to give people business because if I'm giving people business, I'm going to be at the top of their, their mind. And they're going to want to be giving me business. I don't have to ask for business. They want it's they're excited to give me business because they want me to be keeping to think of them. So it's not so much the uh, pivotal moment in my networking, it's it's the events that happen during your life while you're networking. Well, the party's breaking out here. Yeah. I think the uh, bachelor party just up. arrived. So I'm going to give you one last question. Sure. Um, and uh, I got to be honest, this comes from ChatGPT, okay. but, but it sounds like I, I wrote it. To wrap up, if you could give just one golden rule for young lawyers striving to build their own book of business, what would it be? Make sure that you don't just do legal work. You have to devote a segment of your day to networking, to going to events, to meeting people. Remember, just on the phone, every person you spoke to was a potential networking partner. You have to spend a part of every day doing it. It's like... It's like your savings account. If you save every year, by the time you retired, you have a lot of money. But you can't just wait till later on, just do the legal work, because it won't be appreciated in your firm in most cases. You're never going to get to be the partner in most firms unless you can bring in business. And if all you're going to be is the guy that's going to be the worker, you're not as going to be as successful. So you have to take care of yourself, and you have to make sure that you devote some time into networking and working Guys like Jay, who will give you those 10 rules and follow those 10 rules, and you'll be, uh, you'll be a successful networker yourself, and you'll be a top dog. You know, one last thought, because you, you mentioned something on the webinar. And by the way, if you want to see the full webinar, it's on uh, our YouTube channel at 10 Golden Rules. Just go to our social and go to the YouTube channel and find the Rainmaking webinar. It's been viewed over 15,000 times. But what, what you said was... Um, you had a, like a magic question, and you said that the story you told is like if someone's buying a restaurant and they're coming to you to do the legal work, you ask them, well, who's your banker? Who's your accountant? And invariably, they'll say, you know, I've, we've got this big bank, but they don't really, you know, they don't really care about us personally, and they, they, I've been re really disappointed with them. And, and that's like a magic question because you have a relationship with a banker who we both know and love. And so you would refer their business and say, hey, why don't you talk to my friend? So a lot of people say to me, like, I know you're supposed to give to get, which is the slogan of our, our, our networking group. But a lot of people don't know how to find those opportunities to do the giving that gets you the, the love in return. So t talk about that magic question and how you ask it and how you uncover opportunities oh, oh, I, for I, your network. I think I, I, I did touch on this before. You know, whenever I meet a new person, I want to kind of get into my conversation. Who's their banker? Who's their accountant? Who do they use for different types of work? Because if they show that there's an opening there for a change, I want to make sure that I have a network of people who I'm compatible with, who I 
think that I either either network with or could network with and send them business. Because the best way to get business through networking is to give. If you give, you're not always going to get if you give. And I have people that send me a lot of business. I don't send them very much at all and, and vice versa. But the best way to do it is to have that network and get those chits. Every person you meet is, if it's not a potential client for you, it may be a potential client for somebody else that you are networking with. So you want to make sure, does that person have a will? Maybe you don't do estate work, but maybe you have some lawyer that does estate work that you want to send it to. Maybe that person will send you something back. So you want to make sure that you have these people in your network who you can send to. And I would try to get people who are basically on, on your level or maybe a little above professionally and how long they've been practicing or how far ahead they are in the career. Don't find a guy who's at the end of his career if you're a young lawyer. Find someone that you can grow with. And if you can do that and you can get these chits and you remember everyone you talk to and you, you'll be able to successfully grow your network and be uh, very successful in your career. Howard, that was awesome. Thank you so much for, for doing this again in, in audio format. Um, where can people find you if they want to network with you or, or send you some great business? You can find me at hrubin, H-R-U-B-I-N, at getsfitz, G-O-E-T-Z-F-I-T-Z.com. That's um, short for Gets Fitzpatrick. That's my law firm here in New York. And uh, if anyone has any questions, I'll be shoot me an email and I'll be happy to answer. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast. Please send questions and comments to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That is podcast at 10goldenrules.com. 